Glory to God who has given us salvation in his Son, Jesus Christ. Glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. What is one thing this morning, as you were clothing yourself, that you wanted to be sure that you had? I know for me, it was definitely something white. It was my collar. Had to make sure that I had my collar on. What's something that you wanted to be sure that you clothed yourselves in before you came out to Mass today? A hair thing. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> we give great joy to God for that. <laughs> the fact is, your what? Your bra. <laughs> this is being recorded. You should know that. <laughs> the wild thing is that the wild thing is that of all the answers, Diana, yours was the most appropriate. That's quite, quite extraordinary. <laughs> However, the first epistle today tells us that we as Christians are to clothe ourselves first and foremost in humility. That is, we are to put on Christ. We are to be clothed in him. To have humility, it says, toward one another. Now, this is not an easy thing to do. But we are called to do this, and when we do so, we become living icons in this world of Christ, who humbled himself, giving up his throne in heaven, to descend to the earth to save us. He who was Lord, God, and Master came to serve and not to be served. And when we fail to be humble and to clothe ourselves in humility, we must recognize that and immediately repent. So that when the person comes back to us expecting something very different, expecting us to be justifying ourselves before God, justifying ourselves before the world, they find rather that we have repented, that we have clothed ourselves in humility. The lesson begins, Likewise, you that are younger be subject to the elders. As Christians, we are called to be subject in all things godly and lawful, and that's important, subject in all things godly and lawful to those under whose authority God has placed us, whether this be our civic duty or whether this be the church or whether this be the family. We are called to clothe ourselves in humility and to subject ourselves in all things godly and lawful to those who are in authority. This is what God calls us to do. But this takes great humility. Great humility. It means becoming the icon, the image 
of Jesus in our everyday walk. It would be easy for me, should a conflict arise in the diocese, to follow whatever the desire would be of Bishop Donald Harvey. But he is no longer our diocesan bishop. Bishop Charlie is. And so my vows and my calling as a Christian is to be subject in all things lawful and godly to Bishop Charlie Masters. This is not something I foresee, by the way. This was rather simply an example. But it would be easy for me to justify that my loyalty is to Bishop Harvey. After all, he ordained me 19 years ago this week. A deacon, and shortly thereafter a priest. He baptized our daughter, youngest daughter, Rebecca. He's been there with me through thick and thin, and yet he, being now retired, is no longer my diocesan bishop. And so I must, in humility, not justify myself before God or the church or the world, but I must, in humility, subject myself in all things godly and lawful to Bishop Charlie, which is, in reality, not a hard thing to do because he's a man of great godliness. But we are called, firstly, to be subject to one another and to those under whom we have been, under whose authority we have been placed. Secondly, we are called to clothe ourselves in humility toward one another. And then we are told, and this is a very important uh, thing to note, God opposes the proud. He opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. Now this is quoted more than once in the New Testament. And so this is very, very important. We cannot come before God in pride, for pride was the first sin of man. And God cannot be in the presence of sin, especially the root of sin, pride. We must come humbly before God. Not saying, Lord, I want this, I want that, but rather, Lord, let thy will be done and simply give me the grace to endure thy will, whatever that may be. It's not easy. So often I come to God and I say, Lord, whatever thy will is. And then I spend about a good 15 minutes telling him what his will is. And then in the end, hoping that he will be subject to me. That's God's response, too. <laughs> he chuckles. No, God resists, his, resists the proud, but he gives grace. That is, his love and his help, his, his goodness, his favor, is poured out upon those who come not in pride before him, but who come in humility before him, for when we come before him in humility, he sees in us his son. A few weeks ago, I heard 
many wonderful and delightful things about a beautiful lady, Karen's mom. And yet the thing that Karen told me that touched me the most was that when people saw her, they saw Jesus in her. What greater thing can there be to be clothed in Christ? It goes on to say, then what are we to do when we are distracted then by the cares of this world, by the anxieties of this world? We are told that we are to cast all our anxieties. It doesn't say some of our anxieties, but all our anxieties on him. I sometimes thought of, and I don't mind if you steal this idea, and if you make a lot of money, just give 10% to the church, but I thought of maybe, uh, you know, in gift shops, Christian bookshops, uh, gift shops having uh, a crucifix with a large uh, base, with a little slit. And what you do is you write down your anxiety, and you pray, and you say, Lord, I'm casting this to you, just like you cast a vote. You, you say, I'm throw, giving this anxiety to you, and you put it in, and it, you can touch it no more because you've given it to the cross of Jesus. Okay, maybe a 60-40 split. Oh, wow, you know. I'm humble, so I'll accept that. Yes. We are to, number one, be subject and when we fail to be subject to godly authority, we bring anxiety upon us and upon our society, our church, and upon others and our families. We are to clothe ourselves in humility. We are to realize that God will not bless us for being proud, but rather that he gives grace to the humble. We are, it says, to humble ourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And then look what it says, that in due time, he may exalt you. That he may exalt you. You are not to lift yourself up or to raise yourself up, but to allow God to raise you up. God comes to you when you come before him in humility, and he takes you by the arm and lifts you up like a loving father and wraps his love around you and walks with you. And you find yourself then walking humbly with your God. When you subject yourself to the mighty hand of God, he doesn't bring down the mighty power of the mighty hand. I. No, with that mighty hand, he raises you up. He raises you up. We are told to cast all our anxieties upon him. Why? It tells us because he cares about you. The Lord God cares about you. 
He cares about your sorrow. He cares about your woundedness. He cares about your anxiety. He cares about your struggles. He cares about your loneliness. He cares about your brokenness. He cares about the sorrows of your heart. He cares about you. What a personal, loving God. If we but come to him in humility, for he opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He cares about you. But then we are told immediately after this, immediately after knowing that we are to subject ourselves to godly authority, that we are to clothe ourselves in humility, that we are to come before God humbled and not proud, and that we are to humble ourselves under his mighty hand because he will exalt us. And knowing that we are to cast all our anxieties on him for he cares about us, then we are warned. Be sober. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour so when we attempt to walk with our God, you can be sure that the enemy will come along to attack, to tear us away. But we are to be watchful. We are to be spiritually sober. We are to be aware that he seeks to devour us. Notice it doesn't say he desires to take a little bite out of you. Yesterday, we were still in Maine, and uh, boy, one mosquito, he came, and I think he thought I was a buffet. And he did actually a nice little circle, and it all swelled up into kind of one big bite, you know, on my, on my leg. It didn't upset me, actually. I just looked at it and said, I'm in Maine. <laughs> right. Right. But that one mosquito came to do all of that. And it is annoying, isn't it, when you get bit? We come in, I'm being eaten alive, right? Have you ever said that? I'm being eaten alive. We're well, not being eaten alive, really, right? They're just little bites, right? The devil doesn't want a little bite of you. He seeks to devour you. He wants to change your focus from Christ being aware of him, but being focused on Christ, to being focused on him and the anxieties of your life and the cares of this world and only being aware of Jesus. I'm going to be honest with you. I often find myself in that very place. My focus is on the attack of the enemy, the trials and tribulations of this life, the cares of the world, the cares of the church, I'm aware of Jesus, but my focus is here. We're to be focused on Christ, but be aware of the enemy. We are to be prayerful, to be watchful. Years ago, I had a dream. Now, usually my dreams are not prophetic in any way. In fact, if you were in my subconscious, you would find them more pathetic than prophetic. But... I don't find them very prophetic. And, and, and yet, I had a dream that my dad came and he gave me a watch. And the watch had like beads, like prayer beads, you know, for the, 
It's a little girly, actually. But, but anyway, I, I said, here, son. Yeah, I'm in touch with my, or my dad's in touch with my feminine side trying to bring it out or something. And I couldn't quite figure it out. And I woke up and I was puzzled. Was this just some type of weird dream or is there a meaning here? And I thought and I thought and I thought and nothing came to me. And then I started the, my morning prayer and the reading that day was when Jesus said, watch and pray. Watch and pray. This is the call that we have today. And so as a parting gift for you, I have little watches with rosary. No, I don't. I'm with but we are called to watch and pray. We are to resist him. And the scripture tells us how. We are to be firm in our faith, even when everything has gone wrong, to believe in God, knowing that others are suffering as we are, and that after we have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, establish, and strengthen you. It's hard, though, isn't it? When you're in the midst of that, it's hard. We say, Lord, it's hard to have faith when I'm sick, or it's hard to have faith when someone I love is sick, or it's hard to have faith knowing that this is going on, or that is going on. The Lord tells us that we are to resist the attacks of the enemy by having faith and trusting that he will, in his time, restore, establish, and strengthen us. Restore, establish, and strengthen us. Raise your hand if you've ever gone through something in this life where you thought, this is just the end of the world. This is just the end of the world. Now raise your hand if after time, unexpectedly, right, even though we should expect it, you felt, by God's grace and love for you, restored, established, and strengthened in him. You see, he has dominion over us. So I'm going to leave you with this homework. I know it's summer. And you don't want to have homework, but I'm giving you homework. You all have this reading in the little sheets in the bulletin. Take it home and read it this week a couple of times. Because this little passage right here is really a little map of how we are to live. Of how we are to live. Anyone here watch Dora the Explorer? Dora the Explorer, I'm the map, or is that Diego? No, it's Dora, isn't it? I'm the map, I'm the map, I'm the map, I'm... Well, this is it right here. I'm the map, I'm the map, I'm the map. Everybody, no, I'm kidding. Um, right? So this is the map of how we are to live, how we're to walk, how we are to pray, how we are to be with our God, how, what we are to avoid, what we're to focus on, and what we're to be aware of, what we are to, when we are to have faith in whom we are to trust. Take this home, the second reading, and look at it carefully. Pray it. Pray it over and ask God to place it in your heart. And the next time a friend or a family member is struggling, bring this little piece of paper to them or send them this reading 
uh, from, from Peter, from the first letter of St. Peter. Because this is the map of how we are to live. God bless you. Thank you for hanging in there in the long sermon on a July day. Uh, but you have faith. Don't give up. Because God will restore, establish, and strengthen you. It's called coffee hour, so right afterwards, if you make it through the sermon. So, God bless. Thank you.